What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy News Beat Stand Up here on this gorgeous Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. Stuart Turley, my man, how are we doing today? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood here. Uh, how about you? Yeah, no, it's it's good. Again, as as I mentioned yesterday, things have cooled down a little bit in Texas, so I'm not dying, um, which is nice. Or like normally have six fans on me as we record the show, uh, only down to one, which is nice. Um, nonetheless, guys, great show for you lined up. First off, the headlines: major headwinds threaten offshore wind targets. Next up, the myth of affordable green energy is over. We'll then kick over and talk a little bit about COP28. First up on that one, peak oil demand debate is sure to dominate COP28 and the oil industry and OPEC will attend the COP28 climate summit. Interesting. The real question is, will Stuart Turley attend COP28? Only listening to this segment, will you find out? And then finally, our favorite state and favorite governor, Governor Gavin Newsom signs slate of clean energy bills into law. We'll see what's going on. I'm over in California. Stu will then toss it over to me. I will quickly cover what happened overall in the finance market, specifically oil and gas prices. Um, we did see uh, $3.40 on natural gas. So things are starting to look a little bit more positive on that side. Um, we'll also quickly cover what the uh, API predicts, the EIA crude oil storage numbers will be. And then we will let you get on out of here and get back to work. But before we do all that, guys, remember all of the news and analysis you are about to hear is brought to you by that world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. Um, Stu and the team does a great job of curating that site to stay, make sure it stays up to speed with all of your energy needs. Um, you can email the show questions at energynewsbeat.com. Go ahead and hit the description below for all of timestamps and another way to get uh, in contact with the show. Um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Um, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. The best way to support the show, though, is to go to YouTube, subscribe at Energy Newsbeat, hit that subscribe button, comment on an article, tell you, tell us what you don't like about Stu's opinion, because trust me, we got Stu commenting on our own videos, people. So please go comment on YouTube. We need all the help we can get. Um, we appreciate everybody who who has given us feedback. It's nice. I mean, we got you commenting, Stu. We've got to got to find some other sources of content here. So. Uh, um, but we appreciate everybody who's given us great feedback. Yeah, it's really it, guys. I'm out of breath. Stu, where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start with some major headwinds. Uh, major headwinds threaten offshore wind targets. We've been seeing, Michael, you and I have been talking about some of the yep. real problems going on. But I think this is really uh, hopping into some big numbers here. And uh, the last five years, the top four listed turbine producers outside China have lost Seven billion dollars in over five billion dollars alone. That's a lot of billions, even by my standard. What does they it say? Lost- Last year, the chief executive of that same uh, turbine maker, Vestas, says that the company lost eight percent on every turbine it sold, and that's with tax incentive. So, oh, really? My, uh, do what? 
Oh, really? That's with tax incentives. That's with subsidy. That's post-tax. Yes, subsidies. So here's where it gets in here and says warranty issues drive turbine losses. These things were not made to be indestructible. They're not made the last 30 years. Uh, You and I have talked about my crayon numbers from Oklahoma State University. I mean, my crayon broke four or five times. And it is pathetic that they are fiscally unreliable uh, from day one. So, okay, Siemens is now finding some serious problems. Here's a quote from Dr. Wei Zhang. He's a senior risk consultant at Natural uh, Resources Construction. This is an offshore uh, outfit. We are quite used to wind turbines with eight megawatts, nine megawatts, but we're seeing newer models reach 14 megawatts or 18 megawatts. A project in Australia even planning on using 20 megawatts. Inevitably, the size creates a, a corresponding increase in risk and more whales, Michael that they can kill. Although wind turbines are engineered, yeah, pick them up, Uh, engineered to work within certain conditions, there's a lack of real-world data on both performance and long-term impacts on these larger turbines and their associated infrastructure. Okay, I'm going to go down to Rob West. I want to read this quote. Physics inherently punishes larger turbines. Larger blades will inherently deflect more, which means they need stiffer spar caps, shear webs, and more expensive materials. They will also weigh more, which pushes more stress and strain through the blade root and uh, nacelle during each rotation. Rob West, Thunder uh, said energy. Michael, if our producer will roll this in, wind turbine growth, power output, maximum rotor diameter. This almost reminds me of, for our podcast listener, it starts in 1995 with a little tiny little windmill, and then it goes to 2023, and it's like huge. This almost reminds me of the uh, evolution chart. You see the monkey in the left-hand side, and he's walking along, and it keeps growing bigger. This is showing... Size, my, you hear this a lot, Michael. I know you do. Size matters, right? I know you hear this. I don't hear it as much and as I would t- like to. I, I, I'm not hearing it about your height. Mm, mm, yes, uh, okay. definitely not hearing yeah. it as much um, as I would like. <laughs> um, I do find it interesting, though, Stu. Darn physics, man. Physics is against ESG. Physics I think that's, that's what I learned out of this. Physics is anti-climate. Oh, it is. And it, it is uh, unbelievable. Fraser McCain, uh, McLean, CEO of uh, G-Cube Insurance. This is the other key point in here. The push to rapidly develop more powerful machines is piling pressure on manufacturers, the supply chain and insurance market. Scaling up is creating a growth financial risk that pose a fundamental threat to the sector. He's dead on right. And Michael, a few days ago, we talked about on this very podcast, if you can remember, and I know, hang on, this is a moment of silence for your memory. Okay, thank you. And and that is that uh, we talked about the EV. The EVs, Michael, 
the insurance companies, when we talked in the UK, was it, one guy went from a thousand pounds of insurance yep. cost to five thousand pounds. Insurance is going to break the ESG mode. I guarantee you, it's the insurance guys, and they know the number. Yeah, what and they'll think? charge you for it. Trust me. All right, what's next? Let's go to the next one. Title of the second article is The Myth of Affordable Green Energy is Over. Michael, this cuts back to the ESG having the problem, and it also cuts back into the whole thing, dude. It's starting to well well up. What do you hear every time when somebody says wind power? I hear a whale going, "Ah!" and rolling up on the the shore. You're killing me, McFly. Costs are falling and that wind power is cheap. And and we just covered that in the previous article here. So uh, we don't need, they they overlap in the article a bit on this. There were two nuggets down here. Long-term power contracts for the electricity produced offshore wind farms have been canceled. So this is key. You take a look at our last article, it had insurance. You take a look at the other one, they fiscally are not very sound from day one. You take a look at this next one, and then our buddies over there at Duke Energy has dropped offshore wind altogether from its long term. So this is like all of a sudden everything is if you're the wind is about to pile up and uh, it's going upwind. I mean, they're peeing upwind right now. Oh, ooh, my favorite. We got to talk oil demand, though. COP 28. Oh, I got to love these. This is kind of fun. Oil industry and OPEC will attend COP28 climate summary. That's kind of like the way my brother and I did in college. We went to a couple of sorority parties that were just absolutely hilarious. Uh, you know, we walked in in hobo clothes just for fun. The oil industry will be at COP28 and will be there, says Al Gangas at an energy event in the United Arab Emirates. UAE, the OPEC Secretary General, also be attending. I hope all voices will be at the table, said Al Genghis. I, I think it's going to be pretty funny, dude. I'm well, glad to see him there. Well, because they're finally realizing that, hey, we might need these people as part of the energy transition because the the myth of the affordable green energy, as we just covered in the last article, is just that. It's unfortunately a myth. So the last paragraph, Michael, why don't you read the last paragraph? Take a look at it. Yeah, I mean, it says the world needs 14 trillion in cumulative investments in the oil sector by 2045 to ensure market stability and avoid long term economic chaos, OPEC said in the report, which basically means to replenish the decline curves. Because remember, oils, you know, know, we don't make the same as we made yesterday. Everything does decline a little bit. Um, They also said they raised its long-term demand forecast to 116 million barrels per day in 2045, uh, up 6 million barrels a day based on their 2022 outlook. We covered that on yesterday's show, I gave my best Chris Berman um, impression talking about people moving, people talking about moving the peak oil line and back, 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 Okay. So the guys, the guys are going to have some serious fun at COP28 because we just talked about whether or not, you know, the oil guys are going to be there. Now they're also the other topic that they're going to have on there is peak oil demand is going to be there. So not only all these heads are going to explode, they're going to explode because they're going in there 
You're going to need oil in order to be there. So the real question is this, Stu. So the IEA believes that global oil demand is going to peak this decade, while as we just covered in the last article, OPEC believes it'll be 116 million barrels in 2045. Who's right? OPEC. I trust their crayon. It is a heck of a lot more sharp than the other chatterheads. Now, so, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you in that. I would, I would wager on about green energy, dude. Uh, the Saudis, you know what I think of the Saudis. A, I don't like their social, but B, I guarantee you they are Saudi first. They're going green, but they're paying for it with oil and gas. Yeah, Saudi's got a terrible Twitter, so we got to up that game. Uh, what do you mean they got an uh, ugly Twitter? I, I, you just said you just said um, you you said social. So I was just I was just making a joke, Stu. Oh, sorry, I'm a little stupid. Okay, let's go to Gavin Newsom. Speaking of third world country, we're going to talk about California now. Governor Newsom signs a clean uh, slate of clean energy bills into law. Michael, teeing this up, do you remember when we talked about some of the one of our best stories that went out on uh, energynewsbeat.com? It got uh, taken off. California puts into legislation one paragraph in a bill and then they go back in and then they add in the verbiage later on. It is criminal the way they do legislation. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of these. Governor Newsom uh, cements California's climate leadership as it goes off the edge of the cliff like a lemming. Laura Dehan, uh, Environmental California State Director, California, quote unquote, has set uh, ambitious climate goals, but getting there requires innovative thinking, willingness to take risks and action and jumpstart clean energy in the face of staunch opposition from entrenched inner, uh, interest. Let me go through some of these lists. Now, all these bills are about one paragraph. Do you know what they can do? They can go back in and they can go, well, this is what we meant. Okay. AB 1167, the Orphan Well Prevention Act to make polluters pay. What do you think that means? What I think it means is that. Uh, guess what? They're going after third. Th okay, you ready for that? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Third Second order, order effects. Exactly right. Okay, let's go to speed up the path by granting the state power to buy clean energy. That seems like a blank subsidy check for the government. Ding. Boy, you're reading between the line there. Uh, let's drop down to uh, SB 49, Senator Becker, to open up highway rights to solar storage transmission. Ah, okay. That is a land grab. Let's come down here. To, oh, I didn't even uh, put into that one. Okay. You can put land grab in that thing. Oh, SB 605, tap into offshore wave energy. Oops. Oh, yeah. That just what we want. Now we oh, got to yeah. get, hey, that probably really kills the whales. Oh, it'll do more than that. It'll kill um, surfers. Even yeah, better. Surfers. Even better. Uh, you know, do you remember Mr. Hand out of, uh, or uh, Spicoli? Mr. Spicoli. I loved him. I, that was the only movie I ever liked him in. Mr. Hand, do you? Oh, yeah, I ordered a pizza. Okay, let's go to AB 126 to reauthorize over 170 million per year in clean transportation funding. Tell me that isn't going into some 
uh, politician's pocket. Probably Ukraine. Oh, geez. All right. Uh, I'm done, dude. I'm exhausted. that one in there for you. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had about 900 things in there. I'm exhausted. It's been crazy. Uh, but you can see all of these are intertwined and the twine is now pointing to green uh, energy heads exploding around the world. Yeah, no, com- awesome. We'll, we'll we'll kick it over now and cover quickly um, some oil and gas finance stuff. Um, we did see markets rise about a half a percentage point. SPY up about a half a percentage point. NASDAQ trades up about a half a percentage point. Dollar index trades down about a quarter of a percentage point, which did lead to a stabilization of oil prices. 85, 88 as we record this about six o'clock here on the 10th. Um, natural gas, as I mentioned in the open, up about three quarters of a percentage point, all the way to $3.40. So that fall storage, fall contract rollover um, into some cooler weather, we start seeing natural gas prices pop a little bit. Nice to see that. Um, nothing really on the crude oil side um, to point out. I think obviously what, what's what's happening right now between Israel and Palestine and the war there after the terrorist attacks. That it remains to be seen, sort of the long term effects that'll have. Obviously, we do know that this will cause that 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 fundamental supply demand imbalance to 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 lean one way or the other. Again, if we do start seeing a a more sanction, actually taking the sanctions seriously from Iran, and we start seeing that where you know two three million barrels you know we can finally start talking about the dark fleet again because you know we may have to be shutting down the dark fleet if 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 we end up here so it'll be interesting to see Stu will be covering um and making sure everything stays up to speed there not much else on the news front Stu. we did see api crude oil inventories uh drop though remember those go ahead and those those drop um uh today which is an estimate of what the EIA is going to drop from in terms of the crude oil um storage numbers they actually forecast a 4.2 million barrel draw relative to the forecast of about a 1 million barrel draw remember last week the IEA came out with a slight surprise 1.5 million barrel build um so it'll be interesting right. to see um what the EIA goes ahead and drops tomorrow Stu but you know hey things you know everyone's still waiting hand over fist um to see what that Exxon Pioneer Pioneer deal comes at nothing's dropped so far. So we're, we're kind of waited on breath there. Otherwise, you know, I did see Civitas. They announced a billion dollars worth of new senior notes at eight and a half, uh, eight and six quarters of a percentage point to finance their deal from Venser Energy. So nothing like dipping into the uh, uh, debt market to go pick up some production. We'll see if it pays off. Oh, yeah. Got to love it. You got anything else, Stu? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, there's another pipeline that was blown up uh, Sunday, I think, and it is between Estonia and Finland. And uh, I'm trying to find out where Biden was. Uh, he was, I think, at a barbecue, so he may have a uh, an alibi. The same guys uh, who got a Nord Stream. Yeah, the same same guys on a yacht. Um, you know, they were so Ukrainian we'll have seals. to find that out. The other one is I just want to reiterate that if Iran mines the Strait of Hermas, uh, we will see prices go up. If Israel bombs the export capability of Iran to eliminate the future $70 billion that they got this year selling to China and India and some California, we'll leave that alone. But um, if 
they do that either way you got one on one side and you got one on the other side is the only reason i'm mentioning that is that it could get ugly so it could and it, it probably will get ugly so um we'll we'll, we'll keep a, a sharp eye for that but with that guys We'll let you get out of here. Get back to work. Appreciate you checking us out here on this Wednesday for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks.